good morning, Momentum Church. For those of you who may be new, my name is Brantley Johnson. I'm the executive pastor here, and our lead pastor is on vacation. And uh, I did not get a great night's sleep last night, so woohoo! I haven't slept that bad in a long time, but I have my trusty water bottle here, which does contain pre workout. Some of y'all need to learn how to motivate yourselves, right? <laughs> like, like, I know that this morning I was struggling, and so I needed something extra in my life besides just the Holy Spirit, okay? So we got pre-workout. So as the sermon progresses, I may have more and more and more energy, and I may try to box jump this table. <laughs> if that happens and I fail, Eddie's seen me fail before, so... I'm still recovering my wrist from the last time I failed at a box jump. Um, so uh, last week, we started a sermon series called Get Some. It's all about spiritual authority. If you are alive and awake this morning, somebody shout, get some. So, uh, yeah, so we started out, and our anchor passage of Scripture comes from Numbers chapter 16. Uh, and I, I talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, and, and just to recap briefly... Um, the idea of spiritual authority, I think, is perfectly illustrated uh, in number 16, uh, towards the end, whenever a plague is started amongst the Israelites. And so Moses gives authority to Aaron in the moment, and he says, you go grab the fire from the altar, and you stand in the midst of the population, you stand in the midst of the people, and you are going to cause death to stop spreading to the rest of the Israelites. And so he grabs the fire from the altar, and he goes and he stands in the middle, and the plague is stopped. And I think that that's, that's the essence of spiritual authority in our lives as, as Christ followers. And uh, so we have the ability, we've been given the authority by Christ to take up the fire from the altar, take the fire of the Holy Spirit into the midst of our various relationships, into the midst of various situations where the death of sin has been spreading, and we have the ability to stop it in its tracks. But it comes with us having spiritual authority. And last week we talked about uh, the idea of having confidence in your spiritual authority. The difference between hope and belief and how uh, hope doesn't quite measure up to belief. And a lot of people, they hope in Jesus, they hope in prayer, but they don't actually believe in Jesus. They don't believe in prayer because they have no evidence to support a belief. So they simply find themselves hoping in something that they never have evidence for. And so it's important that we pursue evidence that God is real. We call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? And, and this week, I want to talk about the idea of spiritual authority for yourselves, okay? This is the authority over yourself. And a lot of times what that looks like for, for uh, many churches that you'll find is that really this is a sermon on behavior modification. But I don't, I don't like that. And so Here's what I want to do. I want to be able to make sure that we're speaking kind of the same language, because if you're not speaking the same language, sometimes things can get weird, right? Anybody try to speak a, a, another person's language and it not go well? Okay. All right. By the laughter, I'll take that as an absolutely yes. So I worked at Sherwin-Williams for uh, about four years, uh, which is a paint company. It's not Sherman-Williams. For the love of all humanity, it is not sherman it has a W. It's Sherwin. Um, so I worked at Sherwin-Williams, and, uh, you know, paint contractors are funny because they get real accustomed to one person making their paint, 
um, and mixing it, and so like they get really comfortable. Well, the, the more contractors that you have that trust you to do that, well, then that looks better, obviously, to your bosses because everybody wants you to do stuff for them. And um, so I had a ton of Spanish-speaking customers that would come in, and I didn't speak any Spanish. And so I figured, all right, well, in order for these guys to trust me better, I need to start learning some Spanish. And so I, I would start asking them questions and whatnot and trying to figure different things out. And uh, so one of the things that I would do whenever I had spare time and I was like stocking, everything had the English word on there and then it had the Spanish word below it. And so I would say, all right, well, this is paint. All right, the word there is pintura. All right. So now I, I would start learning and practicing the various words so that way they could trust me a little bit better whenever they would come in speaking Spanish. And so I'm putting stock away one day, and I'm putting tarps on the shelf or something. And, and so I, I'm putting these tarps away, and like I know that it's a tarp, so I don't need to look for the English word on there because I know it's a tarp. And so um, I look, and I see this word, and I'm like, perfect. I'm going to learn a new Spanish word today. And so I start trying to pronounce it. And I'm like, using, you know, what little bit of knowledge that I have about Spanish, I'm like, all right, it's a B B O. Biodegradable. Biodegradable. Dang it. That's not a Spanish word. <laughs> I, I promise I'm not making this up. This is my life. Biodegradable. Listen, no matter how much I want that word to be Spanish, it's not. And if I try saying this to somebody in Spanish, they're going to look at me going, what the heck are you smoking, bro? Like, that's not a word. Like, you just made that up. <laughs> That's your own language, and you're an idiot. <laughs> so <laughs> you've got to be able to speak the same language and understand, because if you're not speaking the same language, things get weird real fast, and you can take things out of context, and, and it's not going to make any sense to anybody. And so today, as we look at spiritual authority, I think it's really important that we're speaking the same language, because... I don't know about you, but I remember the first time I heard a sermon on the whole, you're a new creation in Christ. Anybody heard the sermon, you're a new creation in Christ before? So there's a, there's a passage of scripture that talks about how you're a new creation in Christ. And, and man, pastors love this, this passage of scripture because it's awesome to preach on. It gets people really excited because it makes people believe that you're not the same like person that you used to be and all of this. And I don't know if you did this, but whenever I first heard that sermon, I went home and looked in the mirror. And I'm like, I'm a new creation. And I'm looking at myself and I'm like, dang it, I'm still ugly. I still looked like the same guy that was there before that, that sermon, right? And, and then you start analyzing the rest of your life, and you're like, I'm still addicted to the same things. I still say the same stupid stuff, right? This doesn't even make sense. You're just preaching fake mess that's not real. I'm the same blame Brantley that was here yesterday, and, and so like, that whole idea doesn't make sense, and I'll tell you why it, why it doesn't make sense to most people. It's because we're not speaking the same language. We don't have the same understanding of Scripture that we need to have in order to understand that in its fullest context. And so as we're looking at, at spiritual authority, I want to look at, uh, at not your genetic makeup, but your created makeup. Okay, because God has a version of how he has created you, and I think that we can break it down based off of a lot of different scripture, but we're going we're gonna to just focus in on Jesus' words, but we're gonna, it's all about you today, all right? It's all about you, and so this is you, and some of you, your heads really are that big. 
I am totally joking. That wasn't funny for you self-conscious people. <laughs> this is not anatomically correct. So, this is you, right? Now, now that we have an understanding that that awesome diagram is you, let's go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and we're going to hear what Jesus has to say about your created makeup. So Nicodemus is over at Jesus' place, or I don't know, they're not over at Jesus' place, but he'd have a cool crib if he did. (laughs) So uh, they're at somebody's house. Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, well, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. So Jesus identifies two pieces to your created makeup. And this is supported all throughout Scripture. Yes, there are different aspects to each piece of you. But in general, there are two pieces to you. All right, you have your flesh. All right, that's you right there. All right, so flesh. And then you have your spirit. And I'm going to put a little halo over top. All right, that's your spirit. So you are created and made up of two pieces. And we can see this also in in the next bit of scripture here. Uh, Can you put the next thing up there for me? So as we look, we got to understand there are different pieces to us, and they're easily identifiable. This is what Jesus says, all right? And now we go to Galatians, and it says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, things like these, of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's that piece, right? All of that is dealing with the deeds of the flesh. Let's go to the next passage. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have uh, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So... We can see that even Paul has this broken out into two pieces, our flesh and our spirit. All right, now, here's the thing. This, the easiest way for me to understand this is by breaking them apart, right? But we got to understand that they're, they're together. They're, they're one inside of us. But whenever you start breaking it apart, it's a whole lot easier for you to digest the different things that are happening. So we have a spirit and we have flesh. And uh, so essentially we have two persons at work at the same time within us. And anytime you have two people, what's going to happen? One is going to rise to the top, right? There's always going to be a leader. There's always authority because that is innately ingrained in everything that God has created. Authority is uh, by nature uh, encoded into your system. It's encoded, listen, it's encoded into the universe. If you look at uh, Genesis chapter 1, you'll see where the sun and the moon are given authority over the earth. That's within the first few verses. God establishes authority at the very creation of the planet before you were ever thought of. And it says that the sun was given to govern the day while the moon was given to govern the night. Both are in authority, but the moon is under the authority of the sun because the moon cannot produce light on this earth without the sun. 
But at the same time, the sun can't overtake the moon, right? Because then we wouldn't have any nighttime. And so everything is in its proper order and proper authority. And when that happens, good things happen. You can take a a group full of people and you put a task in front of them, right? Somebody's going to rise up and become the leader. Even if that is a natural born leader and everybody just kind of agrees, you are going to naturally create authority. And, And listen, when it comes to ourselves being broken up into two sections, there's no difference. You're going to find that either the flesh is in authority or your spirit is in authority. Let's take a look at, uh, at, at the next passage of Scripture here. Um, we can see where uh, this is established in Genesis uh, with Cain and Abel. Uh, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. See, the Lord is talking to Cain. He's not talking about mastering somebody else. He's talking about mastering the sin that's within him. It's, it's this idea that it's broken apart. And so uh, we see where Cain is supposed to be able to master the sinful flesh. But ultimately, Cain can't. And, and that's what happened. In the Garden of Eden, whenever they took a bite of the fruit, literally, sin entered into their body and took root and is now passed from generation to generation to generation to generation. And with that, initially, because sin reigns in our mortal bodies, then the flesh is actually the master before we come to know Jesus. Which, all throughout scripture, you see this idea of masters and slaves. And so, if our flesh is the master, then that means that before we know Jesus, our spirit is the slave. Are we all tracking? Okay. So, the spirit is the slave. So, what does that mean? Before you come into a relationship with Jesus, your spirit is just kind of being drug along. So whenever you are worshiping various things that are not God, whenever you are turning to uh, crazy late-night parties where you're getting drunk all hours of the night, totally wasted, right? Well, what, what ends up happening is, is that your spirit is drug along for the ride because obviously you're inseparable. So your spirit is forced to be a part of your drunkenness. And, and that's, that's what your, your flesh is wanting to do, is it's, it's telling your spirit, this is what we're going to worship tonight, right? Whenever you are uh, trapped in pornography, right, what ends up happening is, is your spirit is being forced to go into that world of pornography. It's, it's being forced to say, this is what we are worshiping. We are worshiping sex tonight. That's what we're worshiping. And so here's the thing that, you know, this can get a little bit deep uh, real quick, right? So the spirits that are around us, right, because we'd, we'd have to be uh, really naive to believe that there are no other spirits around. And, and, and actually, many people will agree that there are demonic evil spirits before they'll agree that the Holy Spirit is active, right? And so uh, here's the thing, right? There are spirits all around that stuff, because what they're doing is, is they can't be worshipped by themselves because if we ever saw what they actually looked like, like you would never want to worship a demon that you could easily see. And so they take on the personification of whatever it is that you are choosing to worship in that time. 
And so now, all of a sudden, your spirit is being drug along for the ride, and your spirit is being forced to worship also. And so now, all of a sudden, you have this cohabitation happening where the spirit that's within you that was designed to worship God is now being forced to link arms with evil spirits, which causes a whole lot of trouble for you in your life. But then something happens. Something happens. Can you put the next verse up on the screen? It says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. See, it's talking to your spirit right now. This, this passage is talking to your spirit. It says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. There's this switch that happens. See, our spirit is made a slave at birth. But, thank the Lord, he only needs a second of freedom to be able to speak into that spirit and revive it. The Lord only needs just a split second. The Lord only needs you walking into a church one Sunday. The Lord only needs you hearing a sermon or, or hearing something on the radio. The Lord only needs one conversation with a good friend of yours to speak into that spirit and revive it and change the position of authority. So whenever you choose to believe in Jesus, what happens is, is these roles reverse. And now... You have your spiritual self, right, over here, and you have your physical self over here. So what happens now, you have your spirit, you have your flesh, and the role of authority now changes. So now your spirit becomes the master, and your flesh becomes the slave. Now, this is... It's a little bit strange, right? Can we agree that this seems a little bit strange? But I'm telling you, I, can I just, I, I just want to put a disclaimer on this. Like if you're, if you're walking away going, holy cow, I've never heard this before. This seems really weird. I promise you that if you go out, these principles will hold true. If you go out and you do research on scriptures, these promises will hold true. The, this explanation will not fail. And you're going to see it time and time again manifest in your life or other people's lives around you. But this is what, this is what happens. So now you, you're saved, and your spirit becomes the master over the flesh. But has anybody had a boss? Oh, you, you don't raise your hands for this. <laughs> has anybody had a boss where they let the employees do everything that they wanted to? They run the show? You can kind of nod your head. Or, all right, yeah, so... Here's the thing. Your boss was given the authority to call all the shots. Your boss was given the authority to, to make the schedules. He was given the authority to discipline if necessary, to correct actions. But what could end up happening if the boss chooses to is he could take a step back and say, you know what? Y'all do whatever y'all are going to do. Y'all do whatever y'all are going to do, right? I, I've seen that happen before where the boss loses all control. And so now the employees have the ability to do just whatever, and they can run. So the same thing, though, holds true for us 
as Christians, as Christ followers. Our spirit at the point of salvation goes from being the slave to being the master. And you have the ability to allow your flesh to still do whatever it wants to do if you wanted to. But here's, what, here's what's supposed to happen. Okay, so just like, uh, just like in the real world, uh, you, you got your, you've got your employees and your bosses. Well, your boss always has another boss, right? Even if you're the CEO, maybe your boss is now your customers, right? There's always another boss. There's always another level uh, going up. And so what we need to understand is that our spirit is directly connected to the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, we'll make him bigger so that he's, you know, better than us. Okay, so here's the thing, right? Jesus has a purpose and a plan for every single person on the planet. He has a plan for your body to be able to execute because Jesus, to operate on the physical earth, needs physical people to accomplish his will. So whenever you hear people say, you have a purpose and a plan that was designed by Jesus, your body really does. And if you don't feel uh, competent enough, if you don't feel able enough, what you have to realize is that your body is designed to listen to your spirit and your spirit is directly connected to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus' plan is then dictated to your spirit, and it's now your spirit's job to enslave the flesh. And I, I remember this happening uh, to me, and, and for the sake of anonymity, um, I'm going to conceal all details uh, about the relationship, right? But there was a person that uh, hurt me tremendously um, growing up. And, uh, you know, I, I had never forgiven this person. I, I, I didn't want to be around this, this person, and thankfully they were never around me after the point of, of hurt. Um, and so I, I wanted nothing to do with them. Uh, and, and even through our marriage up until about a year ago, I, I can say, uh, unfortunately, that I feel like there was hatred in my heart towards this person. Um, and, and it was crazy, because I knew that I had to deal with it, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I start going through some counseling, and uh, the, the counselor looks at me one evening, and, and he's like, bro, this is a problem for you. Like, you've got a lot of unforgiveness in your heart for this person, and you've got to take care of it. Now, this is a really big deal, working through this process, because it, this, is, this hurt has been in your life for like, I don't even know, like 20 years or something. And there's a lot of messed up stuff in your life because of this relationship, and, and so he said, but take a couple of weeks if you want, whenever you come back, and we can deal with it then. And immediately, I, I felt like my spirit said, no, we need to do this now. We need to get this taken care of right now. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how long it takes. I need to work through this now. And so he said, are you sure? And I said, nothing at first. Man, it, it was this crazy thing. I've never experienced anything like this before. But it was like, Two completely opposing forces inside of me just pushing up against each other. And while the spiritual side of me said, yes, this is the right thing to do. We need to get this taken care of. There was this other hatred side that rose up inside of me. And I became so angry instantly. And I was like, no. No. You hold on to this. That person wronged you. That person hurt you. 
there is no reason for you to work through forgiveness right now. You hold on to this and put this moment off. And I was so angry. And I knew in that moment, no. He says, I've got to take care of this. But I could feel the spirit and the flesh pushing so hard against each other. I've never experienced anything like it before. And I knew in that moment that it was my job to enslave the flesh. It was my job to enslave the flesh and say, no, no, no. The deeds of the flesh are evident. And you are not allowed to reign in my mortal body. And I worked through that process of forgiveness that evening. And let me tell you something. My wife, I talked with her on the way home, and she said, well, how, how do you feel about this person now? After working through forgiveness, how, how do you feel? What, if you saw them right now, what do you think that you would do? I said, babe, I, I think I'd just hug them and tell them that I love them. I couldn't have said that before. I couldn't have come anywhere close to saying anything like that before. But this process happened where I chose to intentionally enslave the flesh. I chose to intentionally be master over that. And, and I want to explain a little bit about the importance of this, because as we look at, at changing our flesh, changing our behaviors, it's not just behavior modification so that we can be better people, more moral people. Jesus has a very specific purpose for you on this planet, for your body to accomplish on this planet. And so we have a, a requirement as spirit beings to enslave the flesh, not just to be better, but to actually accomplish on this earth the will that Jesus has for us to accomplish. And, and it takes on so much more meaning whenever you understand this isn't just about me being a better person, but here's the thing. If I continue to allow my flesh to gossip around all these people, well, then the relationships that Jesus needs me to have to accomplish his will will be broken and gone, and therefore I cannot accomplish the will that Jesus has for me. I can't accomplish the purpose that he has for me. If I continue to allow my, my flesh to give in to drunkenness, and, and I can't focus whenever I'm around people because I'm so consumed with the idea that my life is terrible, I have no purpose, and so I've got to go pursue the next drink, and, and, and I go drink after drink after drink to where I can't think straight anymore. Well, now the moments happen whenever somebody calls looking for help, looking for advice, and you can't give it. Jesus positioned you in a moment to take a phone call, and you can't take it because you're too intoxicated. It's not about you being a better person. It's about you achieving the will and the purpose that God has for your life. And I think there's two things that will keep us from this. And this is, I'm going to start closing with these two ideas. There are two things that I think keep us from being able to enslave the flesh so that we can achieve our purpose on this earth. The first I think this is where most people stop, is behavior modification. It's, it's bad habits, right? And this is where most people stop, which is why behavior modification by itself does not work. Behavior modification can be good for you, 
But if that's where it stops, good luck. I've been down the road of behavior modification, which is why I don't like saying it, right? It just doesn't seem to work. But there is a place for it. Because your flesh for so long was the master over your life, you developed a lot of bad habits. You can see this play out in Exodus with the Israelites where they were in Egypt for 400 years. They developed a lot of bad habits of idol worship and whatnot. And so they're trying to get a new start to things. And they're like, all right, man, we're going to move into this promised land. We're going to move into freedom out of slavery. But it's not too long until eventually they start slipping back into the bad habits. Right? Well, that's because for 400 years, they were taught something. They were taught how to live a certain way. And for however long you've been on this earth, you've been taught certain things. And uh, you've also allowed your flesh to be master over certain things in your life. You, you understand that you have been uh, 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 emotionally hurt for so long that every time you feel that way, you've got to turn to the next pill. You've got to turn, maybe it's for you, you've got to turn to the next food source. I don't know what it is for you, but, but you've trained yourself, you've trained your flesh for so long that it's just reacting naturally to what you have allowed it to do. And, and here's the thing, flesh is designed to resist your sinful nature is designed to resist the spirit, and that's why we have to retrain it. We have to retrain it and say, I know that you were a master at one point, but you are no longer master, and so now I have to start making some real intentional decisions. So whenever I get angry now, I'm not going to turn to porn. Whenever I get angry now, I'm going to turn to worship music. I'm going to turn to some time in prayer, and it doesn't feel natural at first, but the more times you do it, the more you train your flesh, the more you enslave the flesh, the more likely you are to continue to see the, the positive results of enslaving that flesh. Now, there's a second piece to this. And, and, and this is where I think that we need to be able to go. If we're going to have authority over ourselves, behavior modification is a small part one. But the second part of this, which I think is vitally important, and I've seen it work in my own life. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. And this is important for you to understand because if you've been like I was, behavior modification does not work for you. It hasn't worked. It works for a very short period of time, and then you revert, right? That's what happens. That's because we're missing the Ephesians 6 part of this. It says in verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? But against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Behavior modification, sure, that's part one. But you have to understand, if at our core we understand that sin's desire is to rule over us, then we understand that that is part of the flesh. And so its desire is to resist our spirit. Its desire is to resist the will of God. And so we're trying to fight not just against the flesh. We're not trying to just enslave the flesh by itself through behavior modification. But you have to also understand we're in a spiritual world. 
You can't necessarily always see it. But there are spirits all around the flesh. And because our flesh's purpose is to accomplish the will of God and demonic spirits don't want you to achieve that, you have to be realistic with yourself and say, it's not just about the body, but it's also about attacking the spirits that are trying to attack you. If you go on and you're, and you're looking at putting on the full armor of God, why? Because the spiritual forces of darkness are also trying to help strengthen your flesh to resist you. These spirits that are around you, that you have positioned yourself with and have allowed them to be master for so long, if you never deal with them, you're still going to have a hard road no matter how much behavior modification you try. And so you have to start being connected because they're the ones that are strengthening the flesh to work against the purposes of God, the purposes of Jesus for your life. So let me tell you something. If you are in here and you're feeling like, I have no purpose, God hasn't shown me what my purpose is. I don't know what the will of God is. Let me tell you something. You've allowed the flesh and the spirits surrounding the flesh to be strengthened, and you are, even though you might be saved and you have the authority in your spirit to be master, you have chosen to allow the flesh to be master into too many areas of your life. And those spirits want nothing more than to keep you from understanding what your purpose is. It's not that you don't have purpose. It's just that those spirits are preventing you from finding it. Because you are directly connected to Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. And he has purpose for you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he had plans for you. And now it's up to you to be able to say, all right, Jesus, you have positioned my spirit in authority. Help me see what I can't see so that I can enslave the flesh the way that it needs to be enslaved. Help me to fight back. And through the course of time, Lord, show me what needs to be gotten rid of so that I can find my purpose. And we don't have a deliverance ministry here, but we do have people that we can refer you to if you feel like this is you. We have people that go to this church that we can refer you to if you feel like this is you. Man, and I would encourage you to start pursuing it because your purpose will be made more clear. You will find way more fulfillment than you ever have before and I know you've been trying behavior modification for a long time, and that's good. But if you can add the spirit in, now all of a sudden, you can start to pick these guys off one by one. And slowly but surely, your purpose becomes more evident because Jesus has one that he wants you to find. He has a purpose, and it's not just about being a better person. It's about achieving his mission on this earth. And so we need to take spiritual authority over ourselves and be realistic with ourselves that it's time for us to enslave the flesh. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much, Lord. God, I thank you for your authority, God. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that 
People in here that may have struggled with believing that they had authority, believing that they had the strength to rise up against themselves. Lord, they feel like they are their own worst enemies, God. They're believing the lies that are spoken over them, Lord. God, I pray that you can show them the spirits that are behind those thoughts. I pray against the spirit of deception that is over them, Lord. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus that somebody in this room right now will reject a spirit of rejection and accept the spirit of adoption. Lord, that, that you can show them where they had a spirit of, a, of rejection around them, Lord, but that you have given us a spirit of adoption. If you're one of those people in here that you're feeling like, there's more than what I've seen. There's more than just behavior modification that I need in my life. And I need to start being able to see the spiritual forces of darkness that are around me causing me to miss my purpose. If that's you in here and you're bold enough, I'd like for you to raise your hand right now. If it's okay with you, I'm going to pray for you. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, in the name of Jesus, I release a spiritual eye to them. Lord, give them spiritual eyes to see, Lord. Give them spiritual ears to hear your voice speak to them, God, because sometimes, Lord, we know that it's difficult, but your word says that there will be a voice behind you, and you'll know that it's the Lord. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will give them the spiritual ears to hear that voice behind them, directing them to attack the spirits that need to be attacked. God, give them the strength they need to enslave the flesh so that they can move in your purposes, God, so that they can achieve your will, God, that you have for their body to perform on this planet. We love you, God, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.